What's up, y'all? Manny Carrera, your real estate resource, and this is episode number 23 of Whiskey Wednesday Podcast Sessions, where we sit with entrepreneurs, influencers, movers, and shakers over a glass of some fine whiskey. Today, I'm going to be joined by my special guest. This gentleman is a financial services professional and entrepreneur, Daniel Joseph Del Valle. What's up, brother? How are you? Doing good. How are oh, you? Oh, we do handshake and cheers. Yeah, cheers. We moved your whiskey because we were taking pictures right now, but cheers to you. I know we took a sip right now. If you want to take another one so you could kind of describe to our audience what we're drinking on today. We are drinking Knob Creek Limited Edition 2001. This is a 2001 year, um, batch number four. So this thing is 100 proof. I don't know if you could taste that. You know what? Proof. I was about to say, I'm pretty sure you got it on camera. Where I was like, <laughs> it's like, I did take a it's, big it's fire, right? <laughs> and I was trying not to, try not to cough. Yeah. And I was trying to look all cool. And <laughs> this, uh, this bottle definitely has a kick to it. Um, kind of going over the smell right now. What would you kind of describe this as? We're uh, kind of dra- trying to break it down right now, but. You know, it definitely doesn't smell like, you know, the strength that it is. Right, right. I'll just say that. It smells a little sweeter, so right? that's why it really took a nice big swing. <laughs> right. It's, like, oh, yes. it's tricky, huh? <laughs> you, you think it's going to be nice and, and sweet, but it actually does take a punch. <laughs> it really punch. caught me yeah. off guard. I think uh, even though it has a punch, I think it's still pretty smooth, uh, relaxing, right? That's what you kind of described it as. Yeah. Relaxing. So after a long day of work, for sure, this is a, the whiskey to drink, right? That's exactly what I was thinking about. I was thinking about that. Like when I smelled it, I pictured myself sitting on the couch with my feet up, you know, and just after a long day. myself. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Reflecting the damn day, right? Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah. Well, Daniel, I'm really happy and excited to have you on, um, you know, shooting these podcasts weekly. We've, <clears throat> we've really been trying to hone down on people that are making a big impact here in the city, big names. You know, and you're definitely one of them um, owning your own business right now and really just making the mark that you have been. You're making some you're making a lot of noise right now on social media. That's actually how we uh, kind of met. Right. I don't know. I don't know who requested who. But when I looked at your profile, I was like, this guy's doing some stuff. And, uh, you know, we started talking a little bit on Instagram, but today we finally met. So excited to have you on. But why don't you go ahead and tell our audience, you know, who you are, where you're from, and what do you do? Man, uh, where do I start? <laughs> so, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. I came to El Paso, you know, when I was a kid, my parents wanted to come down here, my mom wanted to be by her family, and uh, you know, I think they, you know, I, we can all agree that there's something about El Paso, you know, in the family environment that's mm-hmm. really warm and welcoming and really, you know, if you have a family, this is the place to stay. Yeah, for sure. Right. It's a perfect city to grow up in and I, I, raise a family, right? I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I went back and forth to Chicago a lot. And although, you know, I had my moments where I was complaining about El Paso, you know, it didn't have certain things and all these, you know, as an adult, now I appreciate so many things. Right. And now it's, and, you know, I was even talking to my father about this the other day. And I said, uh, you know, I was, I was at a gas station filling, you know, filling up my gas, right? And uh, <laughs> I saw some guy flipping somebody else off you know on the side of the road and they're yelling at each other and whatnot and they drive off and i went home to my dad i'm like man you know this city is awesome because <laughs> you can get away with stuff like that here and, and not, not get, get shot. shot yeah like, especially coming from chicago right yeah. i think the crime rate out there it's one of the most dangerous i, I think at one point it was yeah. one of the it was one of the murder capitals in the, in the united states so right now for those of you that aren't from el paso we're literally comparing apples to oranges <laughs> right now because el paso was ranked 
uh, for yeah. for a couple of years one of the safest cities in the country. So you lived in both. <laughs> you lived in the worst that we offered, and the last and the and the safest, right? Yeah, I'll tell you. And it's funny because a lot of people think you know it's so bad here. You know all these different areas. I'm like, man, if you can go outside and walk and not be bothered, you're fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like even me, I'm a big guy, but you know it's out there. They'll still mess with me. And, you know, you really can't talk back in certain areas out there. Like, yeah. you know, I was out there um, last year in 2017, and, you know, we were in the south. My dad and I were in the south side, and I was walking to a 7-Eleven around the area, and, you know, there was a couple guys that, you know, were just, you know, yelling something at me, you know, trying to challenge me. But, like, out there, like, you you don't say anything. You just shut up, and you just keep walking. You yeah. Know? Don't try to start a fight. Don't try to argue. <laughs> don't try to say anything back, because you really don't know when somebody's just going to pull something out. Yeah, you don't. There's crazy people out there, and that's, that's so funny, because... I know exactly what you're talking about. My sister lives in New York City. Ah. She moved there last year, okay? So I've already, I, can have, I have like 20 different stories to tell, but I mean, the first story I'll definitely say is when, when I helped her move over there, I drove her from San Antonio to New York City, okay? <laughs> in a van. We were in a van with me, her, and her dog. Her dog, her, dog, her dog was farting the whole way. <laughs> so that van smelled like, like fart. Um, sure, it wasn't your sister. <laughs> it was probably her. It was probably her. She was blaming the dog. Because I've done that. Candace, <laughs> we see you. But um, no, we get to New York and we met her best friend there. And she was literally, she approached us with like a, a manual on what we need to know to walk these New York streets. And she's like, keep your head down. Don't look and don't pay attention to anybody else's business. People start talking shit to you don't say anything and I was like that doesn't happen we're walking that night I'm walking with two girls and uh, it was a Jewish community it, it was a Jewish community and there was a, a guy in the, the uniform a, a, you know he had the hat and everything yeah, yeah. and he started yelling fucking whores fucking to my sister and her friend and I, I turned around I was like what the and I was gonna say something and my sister and her friend were like just keep walking and they were normal you know but i was like i was so heated no, I was you like, know exactly what the like, hell what really happened? and it's like if you have an ego you're gonna die out there yeah for sure that's and, exactly true and i think that's one of the most and i think that's why i'm not so you know don't get me wrong you know we all have our moments but i think that's why you know when somebody says something to me it just doesn't phase me right and it's and you know it's funny you bring that up you know how you know the guy the way he looked and dressed the way he dressed you know you wouldn't assume him saying such words and you know, when I was a kid, uh, my mom and I, we were in Chicago, and we actually got carjacked by somebody wearing a suit. Really classy looking guy who was, he was wearing a suit. He was late for an important yeah. meeting. <laughs> he, was, he was wearing a suit. I mean, you know, thank God. Luckily, as a cop pulled right around the corner, flashed his lights, and the guy dipped, you know, and I was in the car seat. So, oh, you were in the car? I was in the car. I he was stole the car. The car. My, I was, he was going to steal the car from my mom. He had the gun up to her head. The door was open cop pulled right around the corner wow so it's and the guy was very nicely very nicely dressed i mean he looked like you know he was a young guy probably interning at the chicago stock exchange or some somebody like you and i you know someone like you just walked up to you with yeah. a gun yeah it's just straight That's up walks insane. up to you with a gun and yeah totally so, different type of city right that we're in right now and you know i'm not trying to dramatize it you know don't get me wrong it's got its good places it's got its bad places right. you know i love chicago it's a very educated city i really it's a great place to go on i think it's very cultured too right as far as food i think i was watching yeah. actually chef's table on netflix the other night and 
they were talking about so many restaurants in Chicago that are changing the game, and it's just like... <laughs> you know, we actually got an order from Giordano's Pizza from Chicago the other day. I posted it on my Snapchat. I don't know how we got it. My mom got it. She's a G like that, but, I, you know, we got it. You got an order and from dude, Chicago? That was like, yeah, it was... It was real Chicago style pizza. And really? Not the Chicago style. Wait, your pizza. mom got a pizza here in El Paso? Yeah, I, from Chicago? Giordano's actually, like, we got the order from it. Giordano's in Chicago and at our home address in El Paso. I don't, don't ask me how. I, I mean, it came frozen Uber and eats. all that, you know, but Uber it's, Eats. <laughs> they drove. <laughs> Amazon Eats, man. They're taking it to the next level. Is that a song? I think, no, I'm joking. Oh, shit. <laughs> They got drones? There you go, Amazon. There's your next idea. Yeah, there's drones. I want 1%. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. So you went, um, you know, you grew up in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Okay, how long were you out there for? Not for long. You know, I I moved out here with my parents when I was about 10 years old. Okay. So it's not a long time, but, you know, I spent a good, decent amount of my childhood there. And I came to El Paso. And, of course, you know, went to high school out here. So, I basically grew up in El Paso because, you know, when you go through, you know, your teenage years, that's kind of what really counts. Right. You know, in a way. Yeah. But, um, but you know, I really, I always, I always enjoyed El Paso. Yeah, definitely. I lived in Florida, too, and um, I moved five years ago. So, we were, I know we were talking a little bit about El Paso's history mentality, and El Paso's definitely been changing, mm-hmm. you know, over the last couple of years. And that's why a lot of people will talk, you know, shit about people that move back to El Paso. But I think there's a, when you leave El Paso, you realize how much potential there is in the city. How much potential, especially coming back now, you just see the growth and it's like, holy shit, it's happening now, you know? And you know, it's funny you say that because right now, um, in my industry, um, El Paso has a huge, you know, market for small businesses. 100%. You know, that are in need for a lot of the products. There's so much support, too, mm-hmm. from the city. I mean, I'll before, city, the city didn't support anything local, you know? Not even concert tickets were being sold, but now it's like, you have a local business, and that's all you need, you know? People people want to shop local, and I'll I think Paso, that's really yeah. going to help our economy. El Paso is driven mm-hmm. by locally owned businesses. Right. And a lot of them do really well here. Yeah. Like, you know, like they don't ever need to expand outside El Paso because like you said, you know, people in El Paso like to stay local. Being mm-hmm. local matters here. Yeah. Definitely. And I think that's a part of what drives the community as a whole, you know? Yeah. No, definitely. And and you see it too. I mean, even on the podcast, we're having a bunch of local business owners, entrepreneurs, and it's like you just see the community, you know, like really coming together. So I, I like it. I, I really am excited for the direction El Paso's headed. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to even you know, start a family here too. Like that is gonna. This is the perfect city to do that. In. Right. If you're thinking about buying a house out here, call me up. You know. Well, <laughs> I'm a little. I'm a little. I'm still a little indecisive about that. I, buying a house. Know, I'm. I'm really wishy-washy about. Uh, you know, like I said, don't get me wrong. I love El Paso. I enjoy it. The community is awesome. But I think. Uh, I. I still don't see myself here permanently. Mm-hmm. But you know, it was in part of me wanting to come back here you know, this year was one, because, you know, I came back and forth a lot, and I was really starting to tap into the small business market, and I thought, you know what, I really wanted to drive, right. you know, you know that market. But, you know, in part was, uh, you know, because when I left El Paso, you know, I was a completely different guy, you know, I was, I mean, I mean I'm in financial services, and I, I was failing math 0301 at EPCC, 
You know, just no completely hard. like I. As a, as that's a, that's the intro one, right? Yeah, I, I never would have. <laughs> I ever that one too. Assumed that you know your boy would be in financial services. Right. Um, so what 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 were some of your previous jobs before getting into that? And we haven't even touched on what you know Daniel does, and you're a financial advisor. You know, you financial planning. You know, see, so there's so many different categories of financial advising, but I can't legally call myself a certified financial planner because I don't have the CFP license. Okay. So I specialize in, you know, life insurance, annuities, helping people accumulate some supplemental retirement income, helping people put away for their future, of course, you know, protecting their families, their loved ones, if God forbid something were to happen to them. And then with the small business market, I'm really driving those, um, you know, those employee benefit products. Right. Because it's funny, a lot of, and I really realized this through the individual market in El Paso is, you know, when a lot of people would come to me and they said, well, it's because my work doesn't offer anything. Yeah. So a lot of Especially part-timers, right? A lot of them, yeah, a lot of them are forced. As a matter of fact, today, you know, today I had a guy call me and he said, you know, I keep up with you on Instagram. I know you have a firm going and, you know, I would love, you know, I'd love to discuss the opportunity to see if we can work together and you know I just and you know I'm not going to say the name of the company like I'm not going to talk any crap here but it's you know I'm saying well why don't you like XY ABC company you know they have great pay he's like they don't give me any benefits and he's like and I just recently had a kid mm-hmm. and you know this you know these kinds of things are important and so for me I was like that's a hot lead you know you know I was like uh, put it in for your put a word in for your HR you know right, right. give me a ring and then also you know we'll talk about that but it's but you know those are some of the things that I hear in El Paso but it's it's not it's not because a lot of these business owners you know it's not that they don't want to it's not that they you know are required well if they have a certain number of employees that have to offer <clears> them <throat> right benefits. there's certain labor laws that require right. Qualify, right but the thing is it's a lot of these employers like small 25 to 50 man businesses they just don't know because nobody's ever really approached them right. and none of the employees have ever really stepped up and said, hey, you know, can we do benefits? Or, and nobody really knows enough about how to acquire it. Like, you know, a lot of people think it just comes directly from work. Well, nobody realizes that work acquires it through an insurance broker outside that right. facility, you know? So why, you know, everybody's a worker. Obviously, a lot of people have jobs and that's... I think the case with most people is that some people just don't have those benefits. I remember I was at a corporate job and I had benefits and starting even just my entrepreneurial business, you know, there's some so there's some pros to it and some cons is you're your own you got to find your own insurance, you know. Yeah. You're not employed you're by anybody. Not, no. So, why should somebody get insurance? What what are some reasons why people should even consider getting insurance if they don't have it already? You know, that's a really good question, and one of the things I say to my clients all the time is, you know, insurance and financial products are not a one-size-fits-all. You know, do you, have a, do you have a wife? Do you have any kids? Mm-hmm. You know, but you're, you know, you're a realtor. You're looking at, you're trying to make money and put something away for your future, right? 100%. So, like, for you specifically, you know, I'm going to recommend something different. I'm going to recommend a product that's going to allow you to build cash value. So, you know, by the time you're age 65, you know, you'll start receiving distributions of that cash value to help add additional supplemental retirement income. Because, right. you know, we're young guys. We like the idea of, of growth and, you know, that yeah. we can get interest earned on their money, right? Versus, um, The longevity say, of it. Right. And, like, this is just an example. I'm not married. I don't have kids. But, you know, say for me, you know, for instance, let's say I'm a 35-year-old male. I work a full-time job. Uh, I'm a truck driver. 
And we all know that on the road, you know, there are more accidents than yeah. any, you know any other location on this planet. I think I think I was actually watching the news or something. I don't even know if I probably saw it on my phone, but drunk driving has gone down. Mm-hmm. Negligent driving has gone up. <laughs> That's fucking insane because everybody's on their phone. And that also goes to show that people are just dumb with or without alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> like you don't need alcohol. <laughs> That's true. Welcome to El Paso. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> We're just dumb, <laughs> with or without. But uh, you know, like my needs as a thirty-five-year-old male who's a truck driver, you know, something could happen to me where if something happens to me on the road, either I become disabled and I can't work and I have no income, or you know, the worst of worst happens, I pass away. Right. You know, my the banks don't care. You know, credit card companies don't care. You still gotta make your fucking payments. Yeah. Do you they honest- don't feel sorry for you and okay, sorry. Do you uh, yeah, do you honestly think that the bank is going to knock on your door? I'm so sorry for your loss. You know what? We'll let you live here for free for a year. Yeah. I mean, no, the bills are that'd still be great, but in. unfortunately that's just not how it is. Business. I definitely wish, you know, it was different, but you know, there's there are certain things we don't have control over. Right. And so it it really does act as um a means to protect your loved ones. And a lot of people say, well, I don't need it. I'm like, well, you know, that's exactly the point. You don't need it. You know, your wife needs it. You're kidding. Because even, I mean, we're all going to die, right? So we can have this conversation. And it's a touchy conversation. Yeah, it is. Nobody likes, like when they, I say all the time, like, when you die. And they're like, no, 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 don't say that. I'm like, look, you know what? Do you want to help or not? These things happen. It's going to happen. Every single one of us is going to die, you know? But I think having even just as, sim- as simple as okay the average funeral you know costs uh, what 15,000 15k and for you to leave your family not only mourning the loss but also having to grill deal with you know the the bills and stuff and i'm just saying cuz i've seen families go through it and i think it's it's so it, it makes it even more draining mm-hmm. and difficult for you to not only Try and mourn and get over that situation, but have to worry about fucking money. Because I think money is obviously the number one root of all evil. And yeah. it's, money's good, but money also is one of the main problems with people in general. They don't have any. They don't have enough. You know what's funny about that statement? You know, um, and probably a lot of people are going to put me on blast about this, <laughs> but I'm going to say it. You know, a lot of people say money is the root of all evil. Well, have you ever seen what poverty does? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've, Definitely. I've been driven to do more shit in times of poverty than when I was when I had money. Yeah. Or when I had when I was a rank. Because that brings out something really, different, right? People, but you shouldn't be feeling. Right. You didn't want that to come out when you're dealing with something else like that. Right. You know, I mean, with a death in the family or anything like that. It's it's not everything, but it's you know it's definitely, you know, like you said, you just don't want to worry. Right. And you know that's you know and that also is is in part, well not in part you know entirely why you know I really sought entrepreneurship was because you know my philosophy and my belief and you know was kind of like well we're always worrying about a mortgage we're always worrying about a car payment we're always worrying about this we're always worrying about that like what do we actually worry about when we don't worry about any of that shit yeah like we're gonna find something to worry about like what comes next what's really important yeah and I think a lot of the times we never really have the opportunity to figure out what's important to us because we spend our lives, you know, trying to pay our bills, trying to make our, you know, this, mm-hmm. we don't we don't have time to really assess those kinds of things. You just get caught up, I think, 
I think everybody does, you know, and it's really, I think self-awareness has a lot to do with people, you know, being mediocre to being successful is having that self-awareness to, hey, take a step back. What do I really want to accomplish? Yeah, I have bills. Yeah, I have the nine to five, but what is my real desire? What's my goal? You know, and for those entrepreneur driven people, I mean, they find the eight to two a.m. to work on that craft while they're working their full time. But a lot of people don't don't make that connection and they'll get caught up 30 years into it. And, you know, before they know it, they're unmotivated to do the same that dream that they had 30 years ago. And you're just getting caught up in this rat race of paying bills, paying bills, making getting through this month to get through the next month to get through the next month to get through the next month. So, yeah, I think having a financial plan, you know, a backup plan, a plan B, a plan, hey, we're going to have we're going to die. You know, something's going to happen. It's super important. That's what kind of worries me is that, I mean, we'll probably talk after this, but I don't, yeah. you know, as a realtor, I'm a independent contractor and I'm sure there's a lot of other people like that, that don't have that backup plan. Yeah. We could have some savings, nice savings and things like that. But when it comes down to it, I mean, even having a retirement plan, I think it's important to not put your money all in one basket and have the market work for you, you know, have, have those annuities have those have those those programs available to you working every single month every single year so right. you can have something to fall back on and you know i tell a lot of young people I mean, you know me personally i have my own index universal life policy and i have my own fixed index annuity you know because i understand that i'm going to get to a point maybe as a young guy you know i'm not thinking about retirement i'm not even thinking about dying but you know i've actually witnessed firsthand my clients in their mid-40s that are just barely starting to try to put something together and let's say they want XYZ you know in that annuity or in that cash value account by the time they're 65 years of age right but at age 45 obviously you're gonna have to contribute a lot more to be able to to accommodate for that shortest you know for that shorter amount of time right and so I encourage all the young guys I'm like look start young you know for you know for something really small that could grow over time and compound right. interest that of course is also going to provide a death benefit and living benefits which by the way a lot of people um, don't ever consider you know when acquiring life insurance is nobody realizes that in addition to like having that cash value having those that death benefit you also have what's called living benefits so if I were to become chronically ill and you know, have cancer get a stroke heart attack blindness paralysis I can actually access a portion of that death benefit Nice. And I can, and for a lot of people that don't have health insurance, you know, that really comes in handy because, right. the you know, it's, you know, here's that money and you can do whatever you want. With it. Right. So it's really something good to have as far as, you know, your income and your longevity. Right. I mean, we're all humans. Things happen, right? Shit happens. Mm-hmm. No, it really does. And it's, and you know, that brings me, that brings me to my next story as to why I'm still in this industry. Um, and it's funny because... You know, I'm going to try not to get emotional about it, but, you know, when I got started in this industry, obviously, I was a young guy. I mean, we still are. How old were you when you started? I was about, I was 23 when I got licensed, about 23. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, like, I mean, what, what drove you to wanting to sell houses? I mean, let's, let's be real here. So I'll tell you, and I was actually thinking about that. That's, I'm glad you brought it up. I was thinking about it today. Okay, I was actually talking to Violet, my assistant, 
And I remember when I got to Miami, Florida. Miami is totally different from El Paso. If you're going to get a, even an apartment, okay. you, need, you need a realtor. You need a realtor. Really? Yeah, because it's it's so overwhelming, especially if you don't know the area. Like, I didn't know where I should live. That's crazy. I knew where I was going to work, but I was like, I don't know what the good area, bad area. I don't know where to go. I don't know, you know, am I going to get screwed over here compared to over here? So I got this realtor. His name was Ray. And this guy showed me the best experience ever. Like, he literally, I didn't know the city. He took me in his car. I didn't have, I had my car on a U-Haul. He picked me up from my hotel and he would take me to these showings to see these apartments and he would drive me through the areas like, hey, if you live in this area, this is called Miracle Mile. There's a whole bunch to do here. This is Flanagan's. They got this special on Tuesday. This is a cool spot because you're young and you can, you know, he was showing me and walking me through everything and he had patience. He, he gave me such a good experience that I was like, if I'm ever a realtor, I'm going to be like this guy. Because he was so attentive. And I know that, I remember that the call I made before him to another realtor, this lady straight up told me, what's your time frame? Are you serious? I, I don't want you to waste my time. Like stuff like that. And I was just like, damn, like she sounds like she's gonna kind of rush me, you know? So I got to El Paso and I was barely getting my head around. I, I wanna be a realtor. I was gonna get my license in Miami. And I already painted the picture that I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to be this type of realtor. I wanted to be Ray from Miami and I got here and I really like what really made me want to be a realtor and what has me so passionate about what I do I mean pumping out the content that I pump out for free helping agents helping people just understand real estate is that I feel like the customer the consumer needs a better example of what a realtor should be I think there's too many realtors are just sales professionals in general that don't have the best interests in mind for that client and they're putting their best interest first. What's gonna pay me the most commission? How can I get this person in the house the fastest? And my mentality is 100% different because I really feel people deserve a better type of realtor. People need to believe in realtors again and just sales in, in general, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, because I feel like when you hear sales or you know, if you go to the mall and you're walking through the mall, you're getting pitched by 20 different people. Yeah, as the statement goes, the saying goes, um People love to buy, but nobody likes to be sold. Yeah. And and to that, you know, I've learned sell to people that want to be sold. You know, sell to people that want a house. And I just feel like, you know, the people deserve a better version of realtors. And that's why I actually do a lot of content videos, not only for, you know, informative videos for people that are thinking about buying a house or selling a house, but I'm also doing videos for realtors. Like, hey, if you're starting real estate, this is what you should be doing. This is how I made my first $15,000 in real estate. This is how I got my first transaction. Because I think passing that knowledge, the good knowledge, the right way to do things is the only way to do it, you know? Right. So in the year and a half that I've been a realtor, I've really been pushing this, this thing in my head where I want people to follow my lead. I want realtors to follow my lead. And so far, I mean, there's a lot of realtors that ask me for advice and I'm glad and I'm happy to give the right advice, you know? So that's, that's why I'm, I'm a realtor. I, I just think that this experience should be special and I'm, I'm really trying to provide that. Still figuring it out, but we're still trying to provide that, you know? That's a really great why. Yeah. I don't think you really hear that, especially, uh, you know, in realty. Or, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a awesome. lot of people do real estate just to get rich, you know? A lot of people 
want to be an entrepreneur to I, get rich. I want to do, you know, yeah. I want to do, at one point, I wanted to do real estate just yeah. to get rich, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know? But I think having a deeper why is going to take you a lot farther than just getting rich. Because to get rich, you know, everybody's interpretation of rich is different. Could be $5,000 a month, $10,000 a month. That number will always change, especially with inflation. So right. it doesn't matter, you know? But if your motivation for anything that you do is a little bit deeper than that, I think you can go a lot farther. So sense. I'm really excited to hear your why and why you got into this industry. Well, you know, when I got into the industry, of course, you know, I was younger. Um, I was in a bit of a tight situation, you know, and I was just looking for something. You know, I, I at that point, I was like, you know, God, I don't just make something work. Right, and so I started, um, I had a couple friends uh, from the El Paso area, believe it or not, that, you know, went off to other cities and, you know, they opened up other, you know, like property casualty insurance agencies, you know, you know, no biggie, but they were doing well. Right. You know, and I just kind of said, well, you know, I'll give it a go, right? And my mom, actually, uh, my parents have a background in the insurance and financial services industry. My nice. mom was in insurance, uh, my dad, prior to being an attorney. Uh, he was a stockbroker. Awesome. So he's so there's definitely some background there. A lot of inspiration from your fa from your parents. Yes, and you know I'll just quickly add on to the fact that uh, <clears throat> it's you know my parents really, especially my father and my mother, really are my you know base inspirations because when we were living in Chicago and when we came to El Paso, you know like most most people most kids are born into an economic situation. Mm -hmm. They're either born wealthy or they're either born, you know, they're either born wealthy or they're either born, you know. And so, but I was born into a situation, you know, we, we lived in a okay neighborhood, you know, low to middle class. But as I grew older, I actually witnessed my father on the rise with his law practice. Really? So I actually witnessed the hustle and I witnessed his growth and I grew up with that and you know that was very inspirational to me. So it's like well, for you to see firsthand somebody, you know, so he at the time he was an attorney you said? He was he was an attorney. Okay. I mean he's he's 70, he's 72. So he was he was in the finance before I was born. You know, nice. but he's but he he was an attorney. Uh, you know, from when I was born and whatnot. But, you know, like I said, we I saw Mother Rise growing up. We went from living in a little, um, it wasn't a bad neighborhood. It was little nice little middle class. You ever see those bungalows, those bungalow homes, like in the, you know, northern, like Philadelphia, Chicago, like New York, like those style homes? Yeah, yeah. We lived in a neighborhood like that. Okay. You know, it was cute. It was, you know. Yeah, yeah, American. Yeah, you know, maybe a couple of rapists around the corner. Just don't go there. But I mean, it's just check the website. Yeah. <laughs> See where they're at. <laughs> just check out the window before you walk. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but you know, I really actually witnessed that firsthand. And I saw the process of him, you know, going from this house, then to this house, then to that house, from this car, then to that car. And it was... You saw the struggle, I, I, you saw, I saw the grind, you saw the... I really saw the grind, and even though, like, I didn't really see him much growing up, like, as an adult, like, I look at that as, like, man, you probably served a better purpose in my life than playing fucking baseball with me. Right. Seriously. Like, he set you up, fundamentally. Really, yeah, like, maybe as a kid, like, you know, <laughs> like, the hell, you never spend time with me, but, like, now, as, a, as an aspiring entrepreneur myself, like, I really admire that. That's awesome. So, it's, you know... 
So that's that's a, crazy. A lot of admiration there. Yeah, and that's I think it's it's so just intense to kind of compare the day and age that you're living in right now compared to your dad when he started this. You know? Yeah. If this was 20, 25 years ago, the world was one hundred percent different. So you saw a struggle like no other struggle that you and I probably have had to do yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's the real truth. Cause we have social media. We got, you know, the fucking internet. And you know, I think, and I think to an extent, that's why I chose the industry that I'm in because I, I'm kind of, um, cause you know how like most, like what is it? Generation, is it generation Z? No, like millennials and generation Z or is it X? It's Z, right? X. Generation. Generation X? I think it's generation Z. Is that Z. a movie? No, it's like, you know how they classify, you know, there's millennials. Right, right, I think right. it's Generation Z, but like millennials and Generation Z, there's this kind of whole movement of like, you know, fuck college, you know, all this. Entrepreneurship. You know, you know, entrepreneurship. Gary you know, this, uh, we see all these, you know, we see all these things, e-commerce, you know, you can, you know, make half a million bucks sitting on your ass on your laptop now. Yeah. And you can make a fucking million dollars with a YouTube channel. I know. Right? And it's, it's phenomenal. But I was always kind of, um. I like to define myself as like I was I'm kind of a hybrid of like you know perhaps maybe like the old you know the oldest school generation in combination with like maybe the millennials you know whereas I wanted to find an industry like I want to be an entrepreneur I want to be self-employed I want to make as much as I want to make but I wanted to be in an industry that's been around yeah and that's life, established. Ins- you know, life yeah. insurance has I mean like most of the insurance companies that I write business for have been around since the freaking civil war you know, like a lot of people. Yeah, I know that throws a lot of people off. So a lot of people. He's <laughs> like, ask when me, though? I was really bad at history. So yeah, a lot like, of people ask me, like, well, how long has this been company around? Actually, man, they paid out some of their first claims in the Civil War. It was for five hundred dollars, and they actually struggled to pay it. It's really cool, right? Five hundred. Like you never would have thought that like this industry really went that far back. And I guess yeah. I, and I guess, um, you know, I thought, what better. You know, if you want to, if you want to be a little bit more financially educated, right. a little bit more financially well off, you know, go into the financial industry. Right. You know, learn about finance. Get in the mix. Because I mean, a lot of the things that I learn and I'm applying, you know, I'm, I'm applying it, you know, to my own, you know, practices. Right. You know, it has the Jaguar. Like I don't need that. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that was just uh, that was just bad. I just wanted out. Like, yeah. At that point, I didn't even care about. I didn't even care about the Instapix. I didn't even care about. Uh, the ooh look at me I was like man this thing is not a functional. pain in the ass it's not functional I, stri- I straight up was looking into a fucking Chevy Impala bro I thought they were nice and I was like I can drive them around like I really yeah. was at that point where I was like fuck luxury I need something practical yeah. like I'm tired of maintaining and it. even that like I saw a video yesterday just last night I, I went to sleep at like 4 in the morning and said I got Gucci bags you know why but uh, I was watching a video with Karen, Kevin O'Leary yeah. Shark Tank uh-huh. and he was saying that if you that owning a car is the worst investment and obviously it makes sense right monthly payment. I know that now but it's like <laughs> monthly payment insurance gas there's so many variables that go into owning a car he's like I'm a multi-millionaire I can buy any car I want he's like I uber everywhere he's like it's so cheap it's way cheaper and I don't have to worry about parking I don't have to worry about gas insurance all that stuff and it's true like I even look at my sister's lifestyle in New York if you have a car in New York, you're you must be rich, or you must be okay with the struggle of owning a car. Because owning a car in New York is a bitch. Like My it's worse than not owning a car. So it's funny. Um, 
I also still drive around in 90, I think it's a 96 Honda Civic. I saw that. That was your first car, no? That was, so my grandmother actually left that car behind after she passed. You want to know how many miles it had on it? 39,000. Because she lived in the city of Chicago. She never used it. So that thing just... She was taking like metros. That thing was was almost brand freaking new, man. And it was great. But of course, you know, it was... It was older, so a lot of the salt corrosion from, you know, like when you're Especially, up, you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, so, it's, it's, so just a lot more moisture. Like, I kid you not, one time the muffler just fell off. The strips fell off. You're the biggest cling in the world, <laughs> and then the car sounded like an airplane. I was like, what the heck? Damn. Yeah, actual hell, right? On the freeway or what? Yeah, I was in LA. I was trying to parallel park, and I was like stepping on the gas to like get into the spot, and then I just heard, Kaboom! and I was like, holy shit. That was like. So, talking about LA, you know, you started Chicago. Then you got into this industry. You were looking for one of those outlets, a vehicle that you can, you know, be successful and a vehicle that was not only, you know, going to make you some money, but was also established. So finding that vehicle, walk me through what was your first, you know, year like in this industry? What were some of those lessons that you learned? I understand. Um, Well, you know. One of the first things I immediately learned about living in Los Angeles is that it's very expensive. Yeah. I mean, just... California dirt is expensive. It's really... I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not even laughing about it. It's really expensive. And, you know, I was working... I got really lucky out there. And I went out there... You know, it's funny. A lot of people go, why do you go out there? And to be quite frank with everybody, I don't know why I left. But I think I just needed to leave El Paso. I just needed to leave. I was tired of, I was tired of, you know, certain influences out here. I think I just needed to break free of that negative circle. I just needed to get the fuck yeah. out. Yeah, fuck it. I was tired of the drama. I was tired of, you know, everyone's politics, everyone's rules, everyone's bullshit. And I just kind of gave everybody the finger and I just said, you know what, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I literally packed my shit in that Honda Civic and I just drove over and I ended and didn't look back. And it was the, I'm glad I did. I struggled, but I'm glad I did that. Could I have turned back? Did I, I had some cash in my pocket where I could have just said, you know what, you know, I'm, you know, this isn't working out leaving, but I just did not want to go back. Yeah, you had to make it work. I was not. Yeah. I'm, I just, I couldn't come back. Yeah. It was just, I needed to leave, you know. It was, and I think also maybe send everybody a message. A lot of people were, um, you know, like I said, people here can be very political. Right. You know, so to speak. And there's a lot of drama behind it. Yeah, yeah. And it was just kind of my way of giving people the finger and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to abide by your rules, by your politics, by your drama. And all these people that talk about, like, loyalty seems to be overused in El Paso. Like, Explain. bro, you're an entrepreneur now, you're not loyal to me. The fuck? Yeah. Who do I have to be loyal to? The only person right. I'm loyal to is myself. Yeah, yeah unless you're gonna pay my bills, and you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll be loyal to you all damn day. But yeah. I mean, you know, your opinions are not gonna pay my bills. You know, your whatever obligation you feel like I have towards you, it's it's not gonna yeah. serve me. Any, you know, it's not gonna benefit me in any way. So I just left. And upon getting out there, of course, like I said, it was very expensive and. You know, I was I was always a theater kid, man. I really liked getting up on stage being active and being fun and being crazy that was like my outlet you know so you're like an actor singer actor yeah actor singer model dancer (laughs) a little bit (laughs) no not really i'm just making fun of people that say that (laughs) (laughs) sorry guys (laughs) sorry i still love you not really um (laughs) 
Uh, what was I gonna say? But no, I really, I really enjoyed performing arts. I enjoyed being on stage and just acting. And I just was kind of looking around, not knowing what to do. I said, "Well, I'll just go for that," you know. And so I got myself an agent and through some connections that I, because I had some prior modeling experience um, with Wilhelmina in LA and New York. And through that, I was able to get some, you know, I was able to connect with my manager. And he just started working with me one on one. And you know, I went for some auditions. You know, when I had the opportunity, when I was, um, you know, not working and whatnot, I was just trying to figure, just trying to figure shit yeah, out. Figure maybe. it out. See I, what, see what you like. See yeah, what works. I was just like I said, I just needed to get out of here, clean my head, and just figure out, you know, what it is. Yeah. You know what I want. You know what, what I want, what I aspire to be. And what did you learn? What it, what did you learn as far as you know that experience out there in in California? I think. I mean. I can I feel like I could really relate because I when I left to Florida I was I remember thinking that same thing I just had to get out there was something you feel conflicted right and it's not even the city you know I think what I realized too moving to Miami is that everyone says the same thing there's nothing here in the city I want to leave there's no opportunity the city sucks you know everybody says the same thing I went to Miami and people, people that lived there their whole time their whole life I was thinking I'm living in the most luxurious city in the world like everybody wants to live here people that grew up there were telling me you know I want to get out of here I want to go to Texas I want to go to Tennessee and I was just like really so it's the same everywhere it's the same yeah, I, it's the and, same. and that's when I realized you know it's not the city it's not the influences because the influences and and all that other stuff, all those other variables, I think are 100% controllable by you, you know, by me. So when I left, I felt like I wasn't in control of my circle. I felt overwhelmed. I felt like I just had to break out of this little circle I was in, this little routine. I was dealing with so much drama. I remember I was just like, I'm over this city. I applied for this position. I got it. And it was literally two weeks and you're out. And when I left, I was like, this is going to be hard. I know it's going to be hard first eight months were the toughest but when I hit that first year it went so quick and I just realized like holy shit I I realized that I stopped doing a lot of stuff that I I didn't like in El Paso I stopped going out every night I stopped you know because I was in this little the, the typical El Paso you yeah know? you were you were just yeah. <laughs> I was an El Pasoan you know and I think breaking away from the circle learning influence getting influenced by people that I wanted to be like you know people that I aspired to be like really positioned me to come back see the potential I had a freaking different perspective of the city when I got back because I stepped out of that circle you know and it wasn't until I moved to Miami where I realized I'm 100% in fucking control of everything that is going on in my life like I realized to that point like holy shit if I'm feeling like sad it's because there's something that I'm doing in my life that's making me sad. What is it, you know? Right. What is it? And and I think getting to that point, getting to that level is really what people sometimes need. I have so many friends, family members that are going through that phase, you know, where you're trying to figure shit out. And you're depressed and you're lost and you're confused and all these emotions are going through you. But I think it's really it really comes down to understanding who you are, you know? That's what you really have to do before you can get to that next level, before you get to that growth, you know, that, that people right. are experiencing, that you're experiencing right now in your business, that I'm experiencing in my business. We had to go through some shit 
to get there. It's not like you figured it out from one day to the next. And I'm sure going through your business, you know, the first year, second year, you had doubts like, should I be doing this? Like, is this really what, you know? And Sometimes I still have doubts. Yeah. Like today I walked into, um, today I had a meeting with a big trunking company, trunking, trucking company. And I had a moment where I'm like, man, like, can I really, like, like, who am I just this guy walking into this big company like that? 25-year-old like walking it, into it, a big old it company. Hits, yeah. No, it still hits me sometimes. Yeah. And But it's, you know, through discipline, you know, you just naturally learn to turn it off. Right. You know? And I'm pretty sure you get moments like that sometimes. Oh, I've probably said at least eight times this year, I need a fucking new job. <laughs> 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 no lie. Like, I really have, but it it's... It's the it's the journey. I think it's it's such a good process when you figure things out, when you have that good feeling, and when you understand when you're on that roller coaster, that entrepreneur roller coaster. There's ups, there's downs, there there's a lot of that stuff. But getting through it, you know, seeing that final destination is really where it's at. So, kind of talking a little bit about, you know, we know what you do. What what is you know the future hold for Daniel? What what is your ultimate goal? here in El Paso and in, in your industry? I'm trying to build a million dollar a year agency. Million meaning everybody's writing a million in premium combined. Um, I'm trying to keep it, you know, I'm trying to keep it within a small group of individuals. You know, I don't want to grow too big right now. I just want to focus individually on, you know, these, on these people. And, you know, I just want to develop some leaders. But of course, I want to continue to build my own book of business. Right. You know, I want to continue, you know, service servicing local businesses, you know, helping out families, retirees, investors in any way that I can. Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's really what it is all about. It's just helping people out. Yeah. You know? I mean, helping people out is definitely why I like to do things. And I know it sounds cliche, huh, for people in business to just be like, this is why I'm doing it because I love people. Love to help people. But at the end of the day, like, you really do have to have some sort of love for people if you are going to be in this type of industry, this type of industry. You know, and, and you, you know, can't fake that. And I'll tell you, with and I don't think I ever got the opportunity to, to touch up on this. I think maybe I got distracted. I'm ADD. So it's, I, uh, I am too, so that's not going to help this I'm podcast. Like super ADD, I know, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, with regard to, you know, I wanted to get in this industry because, you know, it was high paying. It was, you know, I was a young guy just trying to do something better, you know. But my first, not my first, one of my first clients passed away um he was going through a he was a young guy like myself you know he wanted to put something together for uh, he didn't really care so much about the life insurance aspect he wanted to put something together for retirement so you know i got him some i got him a life insurance product that was going to help him build some money for Mm -hmm. help supplement his retirement income and whatnot but he did have a death benefit and he was just he went through an intersection in la and some guy blew the red light and bang that was it like that. like that was it and it's crazy like it's young guys like you and I you know and it's you just and I think that's when it really hit me I was like oh shit like I gotta go deliver the check to his family wow and it was uh, so I flew out to his his family was um, a little town outside Branson, Missouri I'm trying to keep myself composed about the story but it's like you know, you really, when you walk in there and everybody's still in grief and still, it's like, you know, you, you know, I couldn't help but break down as I was like, I was like crying and I was like trying to like, 
you know, hold the check and I'm trying to, you know, trying to like pronounce my word and you know, I gave him all. It's the emotional. Big hug. I mean, it, it was you really get emotional. you get involved too. Not, I mean, you're not just a robot, you know. Yeah, I mean, you have relationships with these people. So it was, um, and I think that was really, and of course, you know, I went to the funeral and, and I think that's when it really hit me. Like, man, this is, like, this is a pretty big, this is a pretty big responsibility. Yeah. Like, this is a big job. Like, and, and it also kind of, in a way, scared me just a little bit because I'm just like, man, every time, every time somebody dies, do I have to go through this? I was always the type of guy that I like to, you know, avoid those mm-hmm. kinds of emotions. Because once I'm in it, man, I'm in it, you know? Um, I'm the same way. Yeah, it's, it's It like, fucks me up. Yeah, seriously. That like, shit fucks me up. I'm either completely just, or I'm, or I'm just, you know, like, <laughs> I can yeah. be like a kid sometimes. And, um... So that's, and I think, that, yeah, like I said, you know, that's when it really dawned on me, like, man, this isn't just some money-making endeavor. Like, this really is a matter of life and death. You have families. Yeah, you're, you're you really know, watching. responsible for it. And that also, that also, um, gonna, you know, make a little statement here. You know, they say people doesn't, people doesn't, they say money doesn't buy happiness. Well, you should have seen the look on their faces when I delivered that check and, you know, they were going to keep the house and yeah. the house is paid off. Yeah, because they're not only dealing with that, they're dealing with all the issues. They don't know. There's there's a Just, lot of uncertainty, I'm sure, in one of those situations. So I could only imagine how tough it is, but that does put your job in perspective, too. I mean, it, it made me realize that your job is really important. You're not just a salesperson. You're actually, you know, looking out for the best interests of these people. And that's tough. I think that's that's really hard to for you to even just be in that position, you know? Yeah, I mean I was literally like like, oh that's not supposed to happen. You yeah. know, this is just supposed to be uh you know, like I said, I was a young guy just trying to make good income. This is uh that's not supposed to happen. This right. is just supposed to be some awesome endeavor, you know, that's gonna yield great results. Yeah. You know, as I get better and better at it. Like nobody's supposed to die. Like <laughs> I'm not supposed to go do this, but you know, I, I had to do it. You know, that was my job. That was what yeah. I signed up for. And, you know, I embrace that. And I'm, I don't want to say I'm glad it happened, but it's, I think it was definitely a very heartwarming experience that, you know, really made me realize, you know, this is probably where I, you know, I think I'm going to stick around. Yeah. You know, I, I really, after all of it, you know, subsided, I, I said, you know, this is, I didn't get anything out of doing that. I didn't get anything out of flying out there, you know, to Missouri and delivering. You know, I, I paid for the plane ticket on my own. And, of course, you know, he was my friend's family. Like, I'm not going to... You know, I didn't get anything out of that. I just did it to do it because... Well, one, it's the I right thing to, to do. One, I wanted to do it, too. It's my job. Yeah. You know? So it was... It's tough. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was really... It was a tough experience. I think I really... I really... Um, it kind of beat me up emotionally for a little while after that. Right. But I mean, I'm sure, you know, that's one of the other reasons why it's important to have a plan, mm-hmm. you know, because situations like that, I'm sure, you know, the family was stressing, stra- family was going through some stuff and that check, knowing that he was looking out for the family. The mom was hysterical. Yeah. That's, Can you that's imagine losing insane. your son? And I think yeah. that's the worst thing. It's like, I saw parents losing a child. Yeah. You know? That's tough. So that was, that's, that's not a, it's not a. That's something I like to think about. Yeah. You know, hearing a mother cry over her lost son. Right. That's tough, man. 
but I mean more power to you that's just you know more motivation to help more families avoid situations that could be a lot worse you know um, what what would you say is probably one of your favorite things about this industry aside from you know giving that reassurance and giving those game plans but you know what is one of your favorite things about what you do you know like I said, you know, God forbid I have to go and hand another check to anybody soon. You know, but I think it's, you know, there are instances like that where you're really doing a big service, you know, to somebody. And even as far as like, like for instance, I had somebody with, uh, you know, with a very, you know, I won't give out any personal details, but it's like I had somebody with a very, you know, terrible illness. And, you know, there are people out there that are in those conditions that really need the life insurance because you know, they know. Yeah. You know they they know it's important. You know also hence why it's good to think about it ahead of time. But you know they just know. Mm. But they're looking for that because you know and even the family knows that they can't. You know, won't be able to pay for burial. You know, cover the rest of the mortgage. and might have to sell the house. So all these you know differentiating factors that really drives. You know the individual to want to see coverage, but you know, every it's hard because you know when somebody's really sick like that, it's hard to find them coverage. You know mm. some companies won't. Some even, people don't qualify. Right? Some companies won't even talk to you. Yeah. You know? because you're already sick. It's like putting car insurance on a car that's that's crashed. crashed. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's you really have to find a company that's gonna okay. Well, aside from the crashes, we'll we'll cover you. And I and I think what really. And, you know, I was able to find a product for them from a company that nobody has ever heard of. It's called United Home Life. And they actually are really good with, like, people who are in, um, situations. Like, in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny. Like, we hear about all these big companies. You know, AIG, Mutual of Omaha, Allstate, Prudential, New York Life. And, like, what the hell is United Home Life? Mm-hmm. But I was able to find it for them and write them a product. And I was able to get them something. You know, it wasn't yeah. a lot, but it was it's enough. Gonna help. It was enough to. It's called. I, I like to. It's called a critical period concept. Whereas, like, say if you have two hundred thousand dollars on a mortgage, if I can't get you two hundred thousand, what I'll do is I'll I'll find you fifty, fifty because that'll allow you to continue making mortgage payments for at least obviously depending on how yeah, much your mortgage is at yeah, least a year or two. Year. It buys you time to figure out. The you next know, what you're going to do? Are you going to sell it? Sell, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I was able to do something like that for him. And you know what? It's, I didn't make much, you know, but it really was very satisfying just knowing that, like, I, I was able to get them something. Right. You know, when nobody else, which, you know, is also why I like being a broker versus an agent. Because what's, the, what's the difference for those that don't know? Because I don't know. So, you walk in a state farm, right? They can only sell you state farm products. Okay. You walk in all state can only sell you all state products. A broker can sell products from multiple companies. So you're like the price line of, I am. you give quotes for all these companies. I work on behalf of the consumer. I don't work on behalf of a company. Okay. So it's like, if you're looking for something specific, I'm going to gather your information. You know, we're going to find it. You know, and I'm going to go do the shopping for you. Cool. You know, and a lot of brokers um, will charge a fee for that because there is manual labor and going back and doing all the homework. And Sounds like a realtor's job. No, it really yeah. is. You know? But like, you know, we I don't charge any fees because, mm-hmm. you know, I already make, you know, we make commission on the products and, you know, I'm not trying to be selfish about you're it. You're taking right? care you know, of somebody, yeah. yeah. You know, you're trying to look for something and I'll help you out. Right. And so that's, so that's how it works. Right. 
That's cool, man. Um, you know, growing your business, how long have you been in business? Almost three years. Almost three years. Growing your business, you know, just in general as an entrepreneur, I think I think a lot of people miss misinterpret that term. You know, they think entrepreneur is just like, Hey, I quit this job and now I'm my own boss. But I'm you know, a, building building your business for the last three years. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it has been tough. I'm sure there's been a lot of trials, tribulations. Um, of course. Even for real estate, you know, I, I could, I could give you a million stories about, you know, what to avoid, what not to do. Some stories that shit. I wanted to, you know, quit. And I'm really grateful that I got started. Where I got started, because when I got started, um, and just to give you an idea of the income potential in this industry. There is an international organization called MDRT, which stands for Million Dollar Round Table Association. It's literally people making a million and over in commissions a year. Yeah. And so I was lucky enough where, you know, to when I got started, I got started with a company and with, you know, a couple executives that were all members of the MDRT board. Wow. So when I got started, I hit the ground running. You got mentorship. I, I ran. Right. You know, I, I just... You know, it was how many people, you know, did you call a hundred, you know, how many people did you call today? A hundred, call 200 more. Cool. You know, it's like, you got to build your foundation. Yeah. Your, your first year is crucial. You got to build your leg. You got to, you need, you need to build your clients. So yeah. it was really, what would you, what would you kind of say, you know, if there are people here listening that are thinking about getting in that industry, you know, mm-hmm. or in general, just wanting to start their own business, wanting to go for it, you know, what advice would you have for that entrepreneur that wants to take that path, that direction? To do what I'm doing specifically? What you're doing specifically or just in general, because I think entrepreneurship in general, if you are going to be successful in anything, you have to have that work ethic. I think it's important to get mentorship. I think, you know, I think those variables go the same way, but what advice would you have for that person listening that wants to get in the industry or in general, just wants to start their own business? So here's, that's that's a really good question, and it's hard to answer correctly because, you know, like when I got started, I was working for one company, and I was what's called a captive agent. I mean, I can, I can only work for that company, sell their products, and I don't own my book of business. So when I left the company, the company took my book of business, mm-hmm. right? so I had to start over. Your leads and all that. But the benefit that I got was the training. Right, so when I was able to hit it again, I was able to hit it, you know, what worked for me the first time. Time to go faster. Yeah, so I think it's all, like, I want to say go work for a company for at least, you know, however long you need to until you can really get the hang of it. Right. You know, maybe a year or so, you know, I think for me it was a little bit less, but... The downside to that is if you go work for a captive company, you put so much work into building your clientele, your book of business, but if you leave, you don't take your book of business. Right. So that's kind of the downfall. So I would almost recommend start independent, but it's hard because if you, if you don't know anybody, if you've never done it before. You're on your own. You, yeah, you're really on your own. Right. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really difficult as an independent because right. also when you're captive, you know, like you have the branding behind you. Mm-hmm. You have the company, you know, you got some companies might give their agents leads, some companies don't, but you know, you're always going to have, there's a lot, of, a lot of advantages to going to work for one company. Right. But you know, which, but it's, so I would say, you know, if you can find someone who knows the industry, 
but find someone who knows it on the high end, who's who's really making you know six, seven figures a year, you know who and who is independent, and of course. Um, make all the right connections on the inside of the industry and you know this is kind of a topic in of itself we can talk about another time because this industry is super political you know you're gonna go into a company okay you can only work for us and nobody else mm -hmm. well what if I want to be able to broker you guys oh no you can't do that whereas you know really you know you can't they're just gonna tell you no you so know, it's, it's about it's, it's like, about getting that experience or being with somebody that's gonna kind of guide you through those. It's about it's about knowing somebody who's gonna open the door to you. For instance, you know, there's a company that I have access to. I haven't written business for it in a while, but um, you know, the company is notorious for nobody can work for us. We are exclusive with our advisors. We you know only a small handful of brokers can write you know our products and services well your board over here has access to it just because he knows the right people on the inside of the industry right so, so building your network so it's really it's it's kind of like like you know how getting verified on instagram right the little blue check mark yeah anybody can do it but if everybody knew how to do it then you know which there's is no why, value in that which is know. why nobody shares how to do it and that's exactly how it works i know how to do companies. it we know how to do it right let's verify me this is gonna be very I tried it by the way. Did you? No, nah, yeah, it, it didn't work. Hmm. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> but, That's um, cool, man. Um, so get a mentor. I would get say network. Get, I mean, come talk to me because I have the right connections. Yeah, and I think that's important too in any industry. I mean, even in real estate. It's the same thing, you know. Once you get your license, you're an independent contractor. You're now a licensed realtor. Get to work. If you don't know what to do, if you don't know what needs to go in on a day-to-day -day basis, real estate, go. Yeah, congrats. <laughs> now go. You know, and if you don't know what you're doing, you're gonna be without money. You're gonna be without income. You're gonna be without clients for a good six months, eight months until you figure it out. But I mean, even me, I started. I started and I paid. You know, somebody almost eight thousand dollars to teach me basics, very on the surface basics. You know, until I realize, like, okay, shit. You know, let you me know just what? learn on my own. I have one more thing to add on to the, um, to you know, if somebody wants to get started. You know, disclaimer: I have nothing against multi-level marketing companies. I have nothing against you know. I, I was an MLM before I you know for a little while before I got in you know to financial mm -hmm. services. Cool. But there are a lot of financial services MLM companies out there that I really do think they're all talk. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... So know your industry. I mean, know the, know, really know the industry. And like, you know, people, oh, you know, you can join our company and you know, you're start at 30%. Like, dude, what if I told you I could get, I could get you access to 100% comp from day one and you own your book of business. Yeah. Like, people who are inside the industry, you know, understand like, wait, what? You know, it's, because it's rare. Yeah. So, and I think that's... Um, but you don't know what you don't know. You yeah. Know? And like I said, I think there are a lot of great companies out there that, you know, use the MLM platform. And, you know, I would definitely, you know, do business with. But it's, like, it's just not some. It's not something I want to do. You know, I'm, right. not trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, do the MLM platform. Yeah. yeah. So I would just say stay away from the MLM, you know, companies, insurance companies. Cool. 
especially because you know they're going to be focused on they're going to have you recruiting all the time not really going out there and prospecting like you should be and focusing on the client yeah okay and of course you're not going to be as incentivized if you know you're at a certain comp level and if you want to get a high, get to a higher comp you have to recruit you know whereas like i was the type of guy that was like man like i don't want to I don't care about recruiting. I don't care about building an agency. Man, I just want to be a power producer. Right. I want to work for myself, by myself. Like as a matter of fact, I was kind of reluctant to um, even accept people on board simply because I don't like leaving people. Right. You know, I like to help people, but it's like, you know, it's it's. But you know, it's it is something. You have to be a specific stuff. type of person, I think, to want to train and help people from point A to Z. You know. I actually really like that. I like the nurturing mm-hmm. thing. And it's not really a nurturing thing, but I think it's more of an accountability thing where, you know, I help agents that are, are very inexperienced get their first leads, you know, and I'll teach them what I did, what worked for me. But I love it. Like that return for me, I don't get anything out of it. I don't tell this person, hey, give me 50% of that, you know, like most agents will. I get a kick out of showing you and, and how to, and, and seeing you succeed, that to me is like more of a high than getting 50% commission. Right. You know? For, for some fucking weird reason. Do you and have siblings? I, I have a sister. Oh yeah, you mentioned yeah. that. And I think it's because I'm an only child. I think perhaps that's why like even in entrepreneurship, it's like very like yeah. tentative to my own business. You, know, you like, should. I think if you're going to grow your business, you have to 100% focus only on your own business. But I think if you can manage, only if you can, because right. there's not a lot of people that can. But if you can manage, you know, caring or worrying about somebody else's business too, then all power to you. There's times where, I mean, I could only handle so many, so many people, you know, trying to learn from me and or trying know, to learn. And you know, I think, but I, but you know, when I was building my agency this year, you know, there were very specific people and personality types that I was looking for. Right. You have because, to. Yeah, yeah. Because, don't get me wrong. You like, can't hire, you can't, you can't invest your time into everybody, yeah. you know? And I actually do this on occasion, you know, people will reach out to me and tell me, like real estate, getting your real estate license, usually takes about people, takes people six to eight months. People reach out to me and tell me, on average, that's on average. I did it in a month. I don't even like to share my story because I don't know any other that's realtor that, that's done it in a month. But when people tell me that they want to be a realtor, I tell them, okay, get your license, do all this stuff. I did it in a month. Yeah. So I know how much I wanted it. And I know the level that I had to be at. But when people and that's the a year later yeah. still don't have their license and they're still telling me, hey, I'm going to get my license. You're still going to help me. It's like, I'll help you. But I don't know if you're going to help yourself. You know, there's there you do have to be picky, especially with your time. And that's what I realized too. Like there's, there's a lot of talk too. You know, people just want the glory. They want the closings. They want the clients. They want to sign that you know annuity or the, that plan with that company. And then of course it takes time on your right. part to get those. You know, because I mean that's your income. Yeah, yeah. You. you know, it's, I mean, you don't want to invest your time into somebody who's not yeah. going to really put it. You know, put their part in because right. it's, it's kind of like all right, look, I got sales. Yeah, I'm going to go make some sales. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Yeah, you could be when investing you're ready, your you know, time. Yeah, you could be investing your time with something else. But I think finding the right individuals to put in your team and finding the right, you know, if you are looking for that, that, how can I put it, that 
I think I know what, I think I know what you mean. You know, that, that feeling of I helped somebody else, it really does have to be a specific person that you are helping. Mm-hmm. They have to contribute just as much as you are. You and, know? you know, I believe, you know, I definitely believe in the law of attraction. And a lot of the individuals that um, we're working with right now, I gen- like, it's, it's funny because they didn't, I didn't chase anybody. They kind of came to me. You know, and they're all real, you know, they're all real close friends, but they're all real power players. As a matter of fact, we, I have an 18 year old kid right now. He got his license in two weeks. Well, well I mean, you know, it took, the state took about another two weeks for it to send his license in, but he finished it, finished the course and took the exam in two weeks. An 18 year old kid. Didn't you know, that get you excited? Like, holy. And no, it, that, that was like the first time I was probably reeling like, really like I'm looking forward to mentoring somebody who fucking wants it yeah that excites me yeah like that's like I look at that as like man like this kid's just like he has so much potential yeah just, you know waiting to be unleashed and it's like I'm happy to be devoting my time to somebody like that yeah and somebody 100%. that also is like I mean he had his beard growing out he had his hair like down to here you know real hipster tattoos I said in you know, I, didn't, I don't tell people what to do. I didn't say, dude, you look like crap. You know, you know, <laughs> you I just, home but I had a talk with him about being professional, about, you know, the type of people that, like... But, I mean, you know, yours looks clean. Like, it was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, hold up. <laughs> no, like, yours is clean. Yours is like, you know, aquí and aquí. And yeah. But is, um... What was I going with this? Oh, no, but I had a talk with him about, you know, professional Presentation. And the people we're going to be meeting. And, you know, the, like, especially in the business market... Like you're a business owner, they see some punk ass kid walking in here like that. Do you really think you're gonna earn your business? No. They're gonna earn. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's common sense. It's crazy because presentations everything, and I think in sales a lot of people don't understand that. I mean, I've I feel like I'm one of the most unconventional realtors. <laughs> I really do because this the way you're dressed is professional. I mean, this is how Thank any you. every professional should dress. You know, I should be dressing like you. <laughs> I thought you were going to. And I, I was like, I got to. Honestly, I, I always wear, I'll wear the, the suit, get up, but I never wear button ups. I'm always wearing like tees, linen tees really? under my suits because I'm more functional than, than showy. I'd rather be comfortable working my 12 hour shift than be in a suit. Because for me, I'm just claustrophobic. Like ties, get me, <laughs> you know, I'm in the car and I'm like, oh fuck. But you know, you want to know what else is really interesting about you know the professionalism and you know, you know dressing that way is you know having that theater background and doing some acting, it's almost like there's a part of dressing up as the part yeah. that really gets, the that really gets me going and really gets me like okay what do we have to do today you know today you know I have this appointment I have that appointment I didn't yeah. get this organized there's something about and that's probably just me as an actor just naturally playing along with it you know yeah. with my career and I because i mean i think in your perspective you have a your idea of where you want to be who you want to be and this is your role i, you I really and it's funny i had a friend you know um reach out to me recently and ask like you know what do you do to to change or to to you know to develop some part of yourself and i said i really approach it as if i'm preparing for a role like, um, excuse me, I'm creating a character I'm, for I'm verbing this. I know, right? <laughs> now I'm creating too. <laughs> like, I'm trying to create, I'm creating a character for myself. Right. And I'm creating that backstory, you know. Who is this person? You know, what does he want? What does he have? You know, what are his biggest fears? What are his greatest aspirations? You know, what drives him? 
and those are kind of the things that I think about when I'm like um, creating the individual that I aspire to be. And little by little on a daily basis, I do more to live by the actions and the intentions of that individual because eventually I want to be that individual. Yeah. That makes sense. I and forgot who the... Matthew McConaughey? I don't know if you saw this viral clip that he posted. I know we're, we're already past our time. That's why okay. I, But Matthew McConaughey uh, made a speech at a Grammy, I think. I don't know what it was. He made a speech and he basically said, you know, somebody asked me when I was when I was 18 who I wanted to be or what I wanted to be, you know, when I, when I was older. And he replied, I want to be me in 10 years. I want to be me in this version in 10 years. 10 years came by and, and that same guy asked him, you know, are you that person that you wanted to be? He's like, no, no, no. In, in 10 more years, I'm going to be that person that I, I have in my mind, you know? Right now, and yeah. if you are chasing that, I think this, that's a progression. If that's, you're unaware of it. You're, I mean, there's a quote. If you grow 1% every day, you know, you've literally grown 365% in one year. That's compound. You know, that's that compound effect. And I think a lot of people don't understand that is having that visualization of who you wanted to be, what you want to be, what you want to represent, how you want people to think of you, and going after that is the only way to have that real direction to to be that, you know, and see it through and, and find success and find happiness. It's chasing that person that right. you want to be, chasing you, that version of you. Because when you're chasing, you know, I'm trying to be like Drake and, I'm, you know, I'm, tra I'm trying to be like Ryan Serhan from, you know, Million Dollar Listing, you end up falling short because that's not who you are, you know? And, you know, somebody else... Uh, we were having a conversation about finding an agent in the entertainment industry. And he was asking me, like, you know, well, what do they look for? And I'm like, look, don't try to go be Leonardo DiCaprio. Don't try to be Matthew McConaughey. They're looking for Manny Carrera. Yeah. You got my they, last name right. I don't even roll my R's like that. <laughs> that was great, right? Yeah, it was. I don't think I ever roll my R's like that. That was, a, that was Bro, like a one-time thing. I say Carrera and people get upset. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's so true. It's better than Del Val. Del Valle, right? <laughs> Del Val. But yeah, I mean, you really do have to be that person, you know? Um, but, I mean, I think you are definitely on the right track, and you're still young, you know? You still have so much growth to go through. You still have so much things to, to learn, but I think you're really on the right track. I think, I, I just see you, and I see, like, I see you like 35 years old right now, like, and I'm not saying because you, you look 35, I'm saying your presentation, your mannerisms. Thank you. And just the way you carry yourself is very professional. So keep doing what you're doing, man. I think you're, you're really going to, you know, do some good work here in El Paso, help a lot of people, you know, help a lot of people plan, especially, you know, for, for the future and, and things like that, that we really need to consider. Um, what I also like to talk about on this show is, you know, social media I think social media has just skyrocketed potential as far as growing businesses. Yes. How have you used social media to help your business and where can people find you on social media? See, that's the thing I haven't because I was taught a very traditional method in the industry and it's called pick up the phone and cold call businesses yeah. and it's called referrals. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Like if you do it right, 
I think now people are scared of it. I don't know why, but you know what? It works. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, like I have a personal assistant that I hired that does all that for me now. But I was able to train this person how to do it correctly so that way they're killer at it. Mm-hmm. You know? But, you know, that's actually why I was um, reaching out to a couple people here in El Paso because I thought, you know, well, what could I do? Like, the, I don't see any other financial professional leveraging the power of social media. Like, you know, right. you would as a realtor. And the problem is, it's like, life insurance is not sexy. Yeah. It's not, ooh, look at the room in this life insurance policy. Mm, check out this insurance plan. Ooh. <laughs> and then with the sexy music. <laughs> yeah. like, like, the thing is, it's... When people hear the word insurance, everyone thinks of the bill and they just run the opposite way. Right. It's like, I don't, you know, it's, it's I, a have, really, I, I should, but I don't have to. Yeah. You know? and it's, so it's, it's a very touchy, it's a very touchy topic, but, um, you know, so it's like, if I, if it was, you know, that's something I'm still trying to figure out actually. And I definitely see the power in social media. I know it could take, you know, any business to the next level. Mm. You know, as a matter of fact, there's some something caught my attention. There's a company called Haven Life, and it's it's a it's a life insurance agency out of New York, and they built a platform where it's like simple one hundred thousand dollar term, easy apply, and you click and you fill out your information. I'm like, man, that's genius. Like, there's an agent behind that that's that built that that is allowing it to run through his license and his agent number. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that, uh, that really caught my attention because it's hard in this industry to do things virtually or online. Nine out of 10 times, you're always gonna be in front of people filling out an application. Right. You have to get a signature. Mm-hmm. They, you know, you have to sit in front of a licensed professional. Right. For certain things. So I think, yeah. you know, it's, it's really hard to innovate, you know, a lot of these things and, you know, well, how can I make the process simple? Or how can right. I, the only thing I can really innovate is how can I increase my appointment settings? You know, because I, I still have to meet with the person face-to-face. Right. You know? Yeah, I think leveraging social media, I think, is huge. And you pointed at Sosa right now, so I'm pretty sure you were talking yeah, to we, about we, that. Yeah, we talked about yeah. that. And, and that's one thing that I could tell you for sure. I mean, I was telling... And that's one of the problems I said to him. I was like, look, you know what? I would love to use social media, but how are we going to make insurance look sexy? Like, There's how, a lot of ways. I could tell you. I mean, I love building this brand. He could tell you, like, we're always cultivating this this thing that we're doing on social but I mean I think it really comes down to focusing on the client not so much on the product so if you can highlight if you can have Sosa highlight the families that just got the new plan or the employees that didn't have insurance for the last two years but now they have peace of mind you know and maybe a testimony or hey how do you feel now that you know that your family is gonna be taken care of things like that can go a long way longer than you I closed two million dollars this month you know things like that are helpful for you and maybe inspirational for other people in the industry but they don't do anything for that client you know and that's why I don't advertise hey I'm gonna sell 2.2 million dollars next month we're gonna close it no I'm focused more on we're helping this person find the house you know hey this person just found a house they they weren't even approved at this lender we talked to another lender we got them approved now they're getting the home of the dreams so I don't think it's really making it sexy that you need to do I think it's really focusing on how you can make insurance more valuable that's 
You know? I'm going to have to take note of that. It's really yeah. useful. Thank you. Well, this is going to be on camera, so you could just go back to it. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's really, you know, something that, that I think a lot of people maybe don't understand. And it's not bad. It's just, it's a new thing, you know? And you I can make think, everything. I think it's because nobody in my industry has done it. So I, I haven't been able to. And you to, can be the first. I, I mean, know. I'll tell you this. I want to be the first. I'll tell you I this. I say this so confidently. I am the only realtor doing what I'm doing right now on social media. I'm the only realtor with a vlog, a podcast. I'm the only realtor pumping out, you know, three, four posts a day, eight to 15 story posts per day. I would have to agree with that. I must say that you were above and beyond. Yeah. And I, I mean, this, noticed, this, takes, this takes work. I'm like, I mean, so, social media management in general is a lot of work, you know? But for you to not only just post, but pay attention to the post. How are people, you know, engaging with this post? Is it working? Is it not? Should we run an ad on this or should we not? Should we maybe do a video like this? See if people, you know, pick it up. Social media is just a living, breathing thing that I think has so much potential. A lot of businesses still don't understand it. Mm-hmm. But the people that do are at a huge advantage right now because they're just ahead of the curve. You know, we started this February 1st. February 1st, I was talking to my barber today. I was getting my haircut for the podcast. Awesome. <laughs> I was getting my haircut with my barber and I was talking to her and I'm like, you know, I started, I started real estate and my first year I did it on my own. I, I had a great year. I, I made seven, six figures, you know, I had $100,000. Is that six? Awesome. Seven. Six figures. Just six figures. Yeah, okay. <laughs> seven figures. What are you still doing here then? <laughs> I did it on my own. You know, I did it on my own. But I realized too, I did it without video. I did it without a lot of variables that I'm doing right now. So going to an event, paying $1,200 to learn like, hey, this is where the future is at. This is where I need to be doing. We need to do this. I need to get this guy. I need to get this girl. I need to get this person in place. Since February 1st, my business has grown. And not even just in numbers. I'm talking about exposure. People know who I am. People know that I run a podcast when they see me. They don't even know my name, but they're like, hey, you have a Whiskey Wednesday podcast, you know? So all these little variables, even though Whiskey Wednesday podcast sessions has nothing to do with real estate, it's about the exposure behind it. It's about- They know you as a person, they know what you do. Exactly, and it's about giving also value to the city. Because at the end of it, this underlying message behind this podcast is, hey, there's people doing some big things here in the city. Watch out for them, you know? Putting the spotlight on these people is going to give more value to the city. The people that have lived here for the five, seven years, you know, that want to get out because they don't see any exposure. They don't see any growth in the city. Well, this podcast, I'm trying to make you understand that, hey, things are happening right now. This is it. Like, we're in it right now. You know, Daniel's over here killing it in his profession. Uh, On next Sunday, Erica, you know, opening up her own boutique and getting a whole bunch of support. The market over here on the west side, you know, starting their own business and getting the support from the community, networking with other businesses. That's what it's really all about, you know? So I think social media is, I'm fucking excited to be living right now, you know? I'm happy that we weren't living, you know, through the struggle that your dad had to go through, talking about that, you know? I'm sure you saw the cold calling, the door knocking, the newspapers. I actually saw what he did and you know, my, my dad had a major advantage, he could speak Spanish. In Chicago. So, so he was, he used to go to a lot of Spanish-speaking neighborhoods, and he used to do a bunch of seminars for businesses. And, you know, 
give free legal advice. And he, cool. he would do that, and he really, people got to know him for that. People, he built his clientele like that. I think there was a, um, a span where he was just, I, I think he made about half a mil in a, in a span of about four to five or six months just Love. from, you know, doing something like that. That's so insane. Was, yeah, I know. It was insane. So it was cool seeing those kinds yeah. of things too, you know? Fuck yeah. <laughs> it's badass. So it was, yeah. That's really cool, man. Well, I'm excited for you, bro. I really think, you know, you're on the right track, you have the right mindset, and really the sky's the limit, you know? I'm really excited to see where you go in the next couple of years, and just see that growth that I, I potentially see it right now already. Thank you, you know? I appreciate so, it, man. Really excited for you, man. Um, kind of wrapping up the podcast, you know, I'm really excited for everybody to hear your story, hear a little bit about what you do, why it's important to have, you know, that backup plan. Um, for sure, I'll, I'll be talking to you. Um, but one thing that I do like to end my podcast with you know talking a little bit about the city what are some of your place your favorite places here in El Paso one to eat one to hang out at and another to go out if you do go out or when you do go out alright guys so this is there's this little like hole in the wall I don't know what it is it's like a taco stand but it's not really a stand it's like a little building that's in the middle of like a driveway in between two commercial buildings it's the weirdest thing you've ever seen but it's like it used to be a truck, but it's out by Saragossa, and I think it's called Daigolipas. I know. Are you talking you know about the one on Rojas? Yeah. It's like... It's like now it's a little free <laughs> Yeah. Bro, they're so good. I'm a vegan. <laughs> really? I don't get to eat that good stuff no more, but before I was a vegan, we, me and my family used to go to that taco place literally every oh, Friday. Man. I used to get two orders of carne asada tacos. That's eight tacos. And just go ham on them. Like, Probably no lie. Probably gonna do that on my own. <laughs> no, for real. I'm, those... I'm gonna snap it to you, too. You're gonna post it on your story. Yeah, do it. <laughs> no lie, those tacos are really good. No, I remember them. They're delicious. Um, places to hang out. Ah, you know, that's crazy. I really... You know, I, I enjoy scenic drive. That's cool. I enjoy scenic drive. It's a nice view. It's, it's a cool place to just hang out. You know, shoot the breeze, talk about life with somebody. Yeah. You know, just and just so, turn the phone off and just kind of be in the moment. I, I, I think that's, you know. Isn't that one of the beautiful things about El Paso is that you could be on I-10 and have a scenic view. I was just about to say Over that. to the left, overlooking Mexico and the valley, you know. I was just about to say know? that. I've never, I don't think I've ever been in another city. And I've been in a lot of big cities where there's no city where it's just... For minutes and minutes on end, you'll be driving on the ten, you know, and like or you, you know, have a freeway. view from the view from on, horizon to the west side. You have a great view. Yeah, like El Paso has some beautiful views. I will say, El Paso's El Paso's amazing, but especially scenic drive. You know, going up to the mountain, hanging oh, yeah. up, it's it's really cool. It's it's breathtaking just to see how big our little city is. Our, yeah. little, our, our big little city. It is. It is. We we just probably hit a million people. Or we're getting close to it. It's not even counting the Mexican. I thought it was like seven eighty. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I've. I don't know. We'll look it up. We'll, we'll post some numbers. But I heard it was closer to the eight hundreds right now. Really? Yeah. And I mean, I I believe it just because of how many troops are coming and how many troops are staying after deployment. You know, people are coming to El Paso and just realizing, hey, this city's cheap. You know, it's cheap to live here, but not only that, I it's met, a good city. I met um, someone in the military last week, and, you know, they said uh, they really hope they stay in El Paso. Yeah. They got about a year 
think about a year and a half left. And they're supposed to go to like Maryland or something like that. And you know, they're saying they really hope they can stay. Yeah. And it just feels yeah. like it. And of course, me, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm not staying. Huh? <laughs> now, I have my moments, you know, but yeah. it's at the end of the day, I, I think, probably one of the most important things we all need to remember about El Paso is you can get up at 7 a.m. and be at work at 8. You could be at work at 7.15 yeah, actually, well, yeah. if, with no traffic. I So when I got started working um, you know, in this industry, working for another company, I kid you not, everyone, I was in traffic for an hour. And, let me tell you my whole schedule. I got up at 4.45. I was at the gym by my apartment by 5. I was out at 5.30. I was dressed and ready to dip at... 545 right from the time zone and stuff. But I would leave I don't know 445. Be done at the gym by 515, home at 545. Get ready at 6, have some breakfast, and I'd be out of the door at like 6.30. And from 6.30 to 8 o'clock traffic was my fucking commute. <laughs> That's funny. It's not actually. It's not. No, I I, I say dying, it's funny because I, I know that commute. Slow and yeah. painful death every single day. Yeah. And then God forbid there's an accident, you're gonna be there all day. Yeah. I lived when I was in Miami. I lived in downtown Miami, and my stores. I I was managing three locations for Verizon. My stores. My farthest store was an hour and a half. And <laughs> <I> <laughs> And then my other store was on the other side of Florida, and <laughs> my other store was over here. <laughs> So there would be times where I'd have to hit three, all three stores in one day. So my entire day was in my car, you know, and an hour would be at the store. So it was insane. I know. I know the feeling. Um, I will say that I, you know, while I was transitioning careers, I picked up uh, doing Uber part-time. Man, it's a good money doing Uber out there. Uber's cool. Not even kidding. I, I tried to do time, it, but I had a two-door. I think one time I did, I think I made like a hundred bucks in like three hours out there. Oh, really? Yeah, Uber's lit out there. It can yeah. replace a full-time job. Yeah, for sure. To. You just got to be in driving. But then, of course, I was like, like okay, driving. Then of course, I was like, okay, I'm not gonna, I can't do this forever. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you got to meet people. That's really why I wanted to do it in Florida, but I had a two-door, so. And you know, it's funny. I picked up my first client doing Uber. Really? Yeah. That's cool. That's great, right? Uber works. I know. It really does. Yeah. I was like, this is great. I'm getting paid to prospect. Yeah. Yeah, that's badass. That's really cool. Um, what would you say is, is your favorite night spot out here in nightlife? Are you into nightlife? Uh, you know, I can't say that I'm into it as much as I used to. If you had to pick a place, celebrate, you know, big month or birthday, where would it be? You know, I don't want to say Malolan because I feel like everyone says that, but you know what? I had a great time there. Malolan? I, I had, yeah. I've had some good times. A lot of people have said that. But it's, it's, it's fun, that just man. tells you something, yeah. It's, just, it's a really cool vibe. I really like the atmosphere. I love that shopping center in general. It's just the time. Yeah. Time? Time. Sosa lives down the street too, so he's always there. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It looks like you looked like you lit last night. <laughs> Daniel, I appreciate you, uh, you know, showing up, sharing your story with us, and I'm sure you have even more to share. I'm, we've already passed our time. That's we could probably be talking for like another hour, huh? <laughs> but uh, we're gonna have to hear early season two. Yeah, season two for sure. Yeah, season two is coming up with Whiskey Wednesday podcast session. But really excited, you know, for this episode to drop and for people to just hear your story, hear, you know, why it's important 
to deal with people like you in this industry and, and you know, look for services that you're offering. Um, real quick, let the people know where they can find you on social media. Daniel J. Del Valle. Daniel Del Valle. Daniel, the way it's spelled, D-A-N-I-E-L-J, and then Del Valle, like the high school. Del Valle, that's where I was supposed to go. <laughs> cool, man. Well, for all of you guys that are listening here, make sure you guys tune in every single Wednesday where we talk to entrepreneurs, influencers, movers, and shakers like Daniel here. And, you know, I'm... I'm just pumped, bro. I'm really excited to have this platform and have people like you on here. And like I said, just show some value to the city. So thanks, thanks again for being on, brother. Thank appreciate you so it, bro. Yeah, me. of course. Really Thank you. It.